And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. I think you should call me the MVP for now on. Or the GOAT. That'll work. I'll take goat. Greatest of greatest of all time, maybe. The well, greatest Matt. I mean, <laughs> the <laughs> Matt valuest player. Something like that. I couldn't come up with something. I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, you know the hardest part about doing this show is the apparent lack of planning about what we're going to say. Um, I like the the ability to be off the cuff and like really unfiltered on some days, and then it backfires. Uh, now. You know, we you use the term MVP, and as a, as a sports fan, I think most valuable player. But in the world of startups, that's not what an MVP is. And we're going to talk all about that during today's episode of Startup Hustle, which, by the way, is part 28 of 52 in our 52-part series about how to start a tech company. We're walking you way, we're walking you through the process and trying to tell you about all of the great and really terrible stuff we've done. In our 10 plus years, multiple exits. Hey, Matt, do you know that between the two of us, we have two really big software exits? Between the both of us? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both <laughs> yours, but yeah. So yeah, you like what I did there. Now, Matt, we're going to talk all about MVPs and we'll hopefully give some really good advice. I think the follow-up to the last week's episode about buy or build uh, is a good a good foundation for this. Before we get into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's the business that Matt Watson and I own together, and we help you build a team of experts. Look, you can afford the team you want and you need. Go to Fullscale.io and let us tell you all about it. Now, Matt, I have one other announcement that I think is important. Did you know that Pipeline Entrepreneurs has taken over Startup Hustle during the last week of August, just a couple of weeks from now? And we're excited to welcome our guest host, Melissa Vincent. She's got five straight shows starting August 30th, and she's going to talk with the other Pipeline Entrepreneurs. Now, if you're not familiar, Pipeline Entrepreneurs is an awesome I don't want to say it's an accelerator or an incubator. It's more of a mentoring program. And yeah. they pick some really, really awesome entrepreneurs in our region of the country. So it's Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska, right in the dead center of the country. But man, they have a hall of fame they do. cast from the past episodes. So I'm really excited. So Melissa runs that program. And uh, she's you're going to hear from her a lot more on the show. And you are going to see her on Startup Hustle TV soon as well. So Welcome to the family, Melissa. We're glad to have you around. Now, she's an MVP, Matt. I'm not sure that, wait. So are you. MVPs. MVP, I Minimum am. Viable Podcast Host. Oh! <laughs> By the way, you should have said podcaster, Matt, because you, okay. you may mean Damn MVPH. It. PH, anyway. 
I'll be here. I'll be here to pick up your slack for the rest of the episode too, Matt. So, all right, dude, what do you think MVP? I mean, in terms of startup products and whatever, as you mentioned, a minimum viable product, and that's a technique that's designed to deliver products with sufficient workable features in the shortest amount of time. And we're going to get into more of that. And that means basically additional features that you develop after the MVP is achieved are based on what you learn from your MVP itself. Now, look, this is probably for many of you going to be the most important part of the seesaw that goes back and forth when it comes to success or failure, because you can really get caught up in this and stay on the shitty side of spending timelines, budgets, runways, a lot of that, or you can move fast and break things, which is my method um, and figure out how to fail quickly or what you're onto. So when you think about MVP, Matt, I mean, what, what do you got? Well, when you're creating software, um, creating your MVP is, is always hard because you don't know where to draw the line, right? Like how much do we create? What, what, you know, how many features do we need to build? And as a software engineer, we're usually the kind of guys or or gals that would hide in the basement in the lab with the lights off and just write code and never actually go talk to customers and find out what they want or never ship a product. Like we'd always find an excuse and a reason not to ship the product because we want to keep improving it or fixing it or whatever. And really the theory around the minimum viable product is figuring out, okay, where do we draw the line? These are the absolute minimum things we need to do to go get it in front of a customer and, and validate that our assumptions are correct, that this provides value to them and get feedback about what we should do next. And the feedback's the key part of that. Like this isn't this isn't like what you're going to be judged on. And there's so many uber successful people that have made comments along the lines of if you don't look back at your very first launch or release with sheer terror later, like, oh my God, I can't believe we put that out, then you held on to it for too long. Um Part of what the MVP process is really designed for and utilized for is to help you understand what people, what kind of adoption you're going to get within the things that are involved with what you're building. And I've made this mistake, you know, when we went to launch Gigabook, we put a bunch of like sales tracking and just like general, like keeping like logging features in there. And then we launched it and then we found that no one used them and we spent a lot of time and money building it. And in retrospect, it would have been better if I could have that money back for a feature that no one gave a shit about and instead put that into promo. Maybe or, we'd have a $3 billion, maybe we'd have the $3 billion valuation and not Calendly. Or, or you talk to those customers and they tell you about three things that you're missing that you really, really needed. So it's like you built yeah. three things that you didn't need and you, you burnt the money that you could have spent during building three things that you really did need instead, right? So that that's always the struggle you have, but it's also, it's about the, the key thing about MVP and a startup and, and it's kind of the nature of a startup, right? It's usually you're trying to solve a problem that other people haven't solved before or solve it in a different way and all those things. Right. So think about me. I love SEO. I love content marketing. If you messaged me and said, Matt, I know you love content marketing. I know you have this particular problem because I, I understand what you do but I know how to solve it and we're going to solve it in a different way. And I really want your feedback. Right. And I get excited. Like, Oh, I love that thing. And if you can solve that, I'd be so excited. Right. And 
it's all about then having the MVP to put in front of me to get that feedback, to get me excited. And for me to say, yes, this you're right on track. I would pay for this. Please get me signed up immediately, right? Or these are the three things that you need. If you can deliver, add these three things to it. I'm a customer, right? Like you're trying to get your, your product in front of somebody like me for whatever that specific thing is, get that key feedback and get them signed up and then take that feedback and keep iterating. There, there's another lane on this highway as well that I think is important is, so we've spent a lot of time and, you know, I think probably the most popular topic that, of conversation that I get into other than just building software is, you know, is fundraising. And when you have something tangible and I, you can show it like, hey, here's my MVP, and then you eat the shame with it. You're like, hey, look, this is certainly not the final thing. This is, this is our MVP. Look, sophisticated investors know and appreciate the value of that part of the process. So they're not going to be highly judgmental. It demonstrates that you've got traction. Like in, in the Startup Hustle Facebook chat, I, uh, I often ask questions that are, you know, polls or, or just like, hey, what's something you hear from VCs before they don't write you a check? And, and the number one pop, the most popular answer to that question was call us back when you have some traction. Yeah. Well, having an MVP and something that's d demonstrable and tangible and real is a completely different conversation with potential funding partners. Do you agree? I mean, absolutely. Just think the other day we sent Jeff Bezos to a space, right? And it's like, hey, we've got an MVP. We've proven we can do it. Now we're selling tickets for $250,000 for anybody who wants to go. And let's go raise a billion dollars in funding to start a space, you know, vacation trip thing or whatever. It's like, we've proven we can get a human being there. I mean, one time, we did it one time, we proved it, right? Where otherwise, we're all like, there ain't no way in hell somebody's going to do this. And I ain't putting money into or it. You're going to blow me up or something. Yeah. yeah. But now it's like, okay, they proved they can do it. They proved there's a market. They've, they've got customers lined up. Man, as an investor, I'm excited. How do I put my money in this thing and put fuel on the fire? You know, another thing too is investors, especially most institutional money, meaning funds and and people that you know, family offices and stuff, they love writing checks when they're lighting a fuse on marketing and sales. Meaning, yes. there's so many, there's so many unanswered questions for a product that hasn't been built. And you know, we've been joking about the fact that we're about a month behind on our timeline for our 52 part series that was supposed to occur all in 2021. Well, the reason that we've, we've owned that so outwardly is because that's what owning a startup is like, too. And the thing is, is it's very easy for, for investors to put money in things that haven't been built yet that end up not getting built because the runway ends or they need more money or they do a lot of different things. By the way, in regards to billionaires traveling to space, you know, there's been a lot of talk about UFOs or UAPs and yes. all that stuff lately. And I realized those are probably just billionaires from other planets. So, um, I mean, if we're wondering what's flying around in the skies, I mean, there's probably just billionaires from Saturn or wherever the hell they're coming from. So problem solved there. Um, and, you know, they're just a they, but the MVP part of the rocket that Bezos flew. In, and by the way, if you do get your own rocket, don't land it and then tell all the people at your company, you paid for this. Thank you. Um, yeah, they're not going to empathize with your rocket ship. But you can't get a raise. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. You need to pee in this Gatorade bottle because you can't take a break. Or, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's tasteful ways to launch your own rocket to space and come back. And that's maybe well, so, not one of them. So, so something we should we should talk about, I believe, on MVPs is what you need to include in your MVP or don't need to include to some degree, right? Like as a software developer, it's it's one thing to create an application. It's like, okay, you can log in and you can add things and you can search this and do this, and do the functions. But it's like, oh yeah, there's no way to actually sign up for an account. If you want to sign up for an account, I got to like have my developer like go behind the scenes somehow and like create your account and your user. But you know what? The user will never know, right? Like we got, we don't have to spend our time on that stuff. We spend our time on what the customer is going to see, right? So we, we've had other episodes about technical debt and stuff like that. And, and some of that, when you're working through your MVP, is all about prioritizing that. It's like, hey, we're just trying to get what the customer logs into. The customer does the functions they need, this key integration we need, whatever. But there's a lot of other loose ends and shit behind the scenes that nobody really knows about and nobody cares about. And we don't have all these advanced features. There's no single sign-on. There's no reporting. We don't have a billing system yet. Yeah, you can't export the data. Like, yeah, there's all these things. We haven't done any of them, but we've proven that you actually give a shit enough that we should spend time on those things, right? In layman's terms, it's okay to be Oz and be behind the curtain pulling a yeah. lot of different strings. In this yeah, regard. just make now, it work. Matt's, talk, Matt's talking about the sign-in and it back to like a very granular, like simplified version of that. You don't have to build an overly complex super admin environment on your MVP that has advanced business intelligence dashboards and shit like that. No. Like in, Matt, in Matt's example... There, the signup doesn't do anything other than let the user in and maybe uh, populate some info in a database because that stuff doesn't matter yet. It doesn't matter yet. You're trying to figure out if people give a shit. Dude, there is literally like probably millions of MVP products that got launched only for people to realize shortly thereafter, if not instantly, that there wasn't a market for it, that it wasn't a good product market fit, or maybe their idea wasn't as brilliant as they thought it was. Right. Um, and that's, that's part of it. Cause look, you're not going to spend a whole, you're not going to spend a shitload of money building the MVP. Well, you shouldn't, or you don't necessarily need to. And the idea of that is to is some of its capital preservation. Well, like I mentioned we... earlier with over, overbuilding stuff in Gigabook that we then didn't use. That's fifth, probably 50 grand for the time, effort, energy, I mean, I can't, and I can't get that back. I can't, I can't go get a refund on that, on that labor. Yep. Absolutely. So Matt, what do you think the biggest mistake is when founders like build an MVP? I mean, we've been talking about overbuilding it a little bit, but like when you get past that, what are a couple other things? It's not talking to your customers and users enough. I think that's one of the big ones is getting in front of your customers. Even if you don't necessarily have a whole lot to show them, but just getting in front of them, you know, find find people on LinkedIn or whatever and and offer to buy them lunch, whatever you got to do, right? And be like, hey, I'm trying to build this new thing. Um, my target audience is people like you. I'm just trying to understand this problem, trying to get your feedback, right? Learn the industry, understand how people solve these problems today and figure out how you can solve them better. And you're going to have to solve them like 10 times better, by the way. And um, get feedback from actual users Instead of you just thinking you're the expert and building a bunch of stuff and then you ship it and nobody cares. So is it fair to say that if we had a checklist of things that were uh, th to observe and, and look at before creating or launching an MVP, that could be helpful? 
Yeah, that would be good. Okay. Well, that's, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that Matt, um, because we do have a checklist. And before I get into that, as a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We make hiring developers easy. It's that simple. Like vet them, hire them, keep them, background stuff to protect your intellectual property and find the best people you can. And, you know, you know Matt, do you know that we have to go through about 40 applicants to hire one person? So that's crazy. Yeah, that's best. crazy. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot of work, but we're going to, we're doing it up front for our clients so they can, they can get to work on building their quality people and other things. So yeah, yeah, dude, that's the key. That's the key ingredient. So with a checklist for creating an MVP, like let's start with some questions. Here's how about a few things we should ask ourselves. Let's look within before we expand outward, Matt, the real oh, Zen wow. moment here. Deep thoughts yeah, by so Matt. Deep deep thoughts by Matt. We'll just leave it there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> by the way, I don't think people, I don't think people listening understand how difficult and confusing it is to have two founders of a company, both named Matt. First off, neither one of us can be Matt at fullscale.io because who the hell would that go to? And then we have to e both either be Matt or the other Matt or Watson or Deco is what they call us now because nobody knows when you just say Matt. All right. So Matt, but I think one of the, like you talk about things you're going to ask yourself is like, okay, for me, I, I, I think you need to ask yourself, what are the two, maybe three at most, most valuable things that whatever I'm building should do, like whatever it is, like, we're going to leave this pretty wide open. I don't know what your MVP is going to do, but there's two or three things and maybe only one that matter to your future users. A key problem. Asking this you're asking this question because that's what you have to be aces at. Yep. And, and everything needs to build around it, right? Like our goal was to solve X problem and everything else is in support of that goal. And, and so, well, I, I, other examples, well, another example, we once again, we've used Gigabook a lot and you compare Calendly. Calendly does one simple thing and they do it well. I, I mean, they really do. They do it well. And it's connect to Google Calendar. And, and give an online booking link. And that one thing was so important to so many people that it became a very widespread used product where more sophisticated, more setup, more build, a lot of that stuff like Gigabook was, it served a different type of client, but it was way more intensive to launch anything. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing is like, what do you want to just be awesome at? Because if you're in this day and age, there's tons of tools and things and solutions where being awesome and aces at one thing, get it done. Yeah. And everything should be in support of what that goal is. Right. So with that, though, and we say goals is like, I mean, so what, what ask yourself, what's your future vision for the product? Like, where do you see things going? Because your crystal ball is guaranteed to be broken but you got to have some idea about what you're looking for. Like this is the, this is also forming like in third grade at the science fair, I had to make a hypothesis and I didn't even know how to say that in third grade, but you want to test You're testing. Is this going to work? Is this not going to work? What's the vision for it going forward? If you don't have your own vision squared away and like, if you're not, or if it doesn't exist, no one's going to be able to build it. You're going to, it's just, things go sideways in a hurry. 
Well, and when you're when you're starting a a new company, somebody's got to have the vision of where the company's going, and everybody's got to buy into the vision and follow along too, right? So, it, it's important as the founding team to to have that vision and know where you're going. What What are some things that you would ask yourself? Oh man, why am I doing this? <laughs> I did. Uh, I did ask uh, yesterday, uh, which would by the time this comes out would be a couple of weeks ago. You may have seen in the Startup Hustle chat on Facebook. Uh, um, get give the best advice you can to someone that wants to start a business and use only three words. Uh, there are very very interesting answers in yes. there. Everything from good luck kid to get uh, get sleep now. Uh, you know a lot of different things. But did you like my um, answer? It, that startup hustle podcast. Yes. <laughs> it was the best answer of all of them. So yeah. If, come join us. Uh, listeners, come join us. Find us. We have all the different hosts from both podcast and startup hustle TV participate in that. And it's, uh, it's uh, clean and non spammy is the way we like it. So it's a good group I, think one, I think another thing to ask yourself, Matt, is just simply like, what are my, ex what, what are my expectations? Right? Like, where are you going with I this, mean, right? Like, is your yeah. is your goal to uh, go public and ring the bell on Wall Street? Is this a lifestyle business where you just want to get a couple customers and make a few bucks? And it's like just a business for you? Do you want to raise capital? You know, like you want to go to Silicon Valley and sleep in a van and uh, raise raise money out there? Like, what are you doing? Like, what is the goal? Those all sound so fun. Except for the sleeping in the van part, is that because that's likely the that's the only affordable housing yes. in Silicon Valley? Yeah, renting a car is is cheaper to rent a car and sleep in a car, I think, than to rent an apartment. Get an old van. The older, the better. <laughs> the fewer windows, the better. All right, so we're gonna move on. I got a different section of the checklist, Matt. So you know, so much about. All right, look, if your business, I don't even care if it's a tech business, if your business doesn't solve a problem, your business sucks. You're never going to make a lot of money on it. You're not. But, I, but I'm creating a uh, experience and lifestyle brand that everybody's going to to love and flock to. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's got to solve. Name, a, name, name five of name three of those. It's got to solve a problem. It's got to solve a problem that people right. are willing to pay for too, right? When you talk about consumer stuff, like. We know a lot of people, my wife, all, you know, they all got problems, right? And, and you can find solutions to some of those problems. doesn't mean they're going to pay for any of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, that's really, so like the problem, so to solve a problem and then, you know, I think it's the other things is with the sense of value is like, who's this aimed to, right? Like who, who's your, who's your target here? Who's most likely to use this? And find utility in it. So, you are you are you business to business? Are you business to consumer? Like, are you an enterprise solution? I mean, so much of that has a lot to do with your approach. And you know, like, all right, here's a good question to ask. We're going to go back. We're going back to Zen mode, Matt. Are would you be willing to buy this product? Would you be willing to buy your own product? Because well, if you have, if you're struggling for that, don't start the business. Well, and I think what's really important aspect of this MVP is knowing who your audience is, right? Because if you're building an MVP, let's use Gigabooks as an example. It's like, hey, we're building a scheduling application. 
if you build it in such a way that it's kind of complicated and does a lot of things, and then you go to, you know, a hairstylist and massage places, all this, right. And whatever you show them, if it's kind of very generic, it may, it may not click with them and you may not get as good a response where if it was like really tailored to a massage place or whatever, and the graphics and all the lingo and all that are like perfectly aligned to that, it might click a lot better. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, this is cool. This perfectly solves what I need. Right. And that's part of the issue of the MVP is, is you've also got to kind of know who your, who, what your niche is, who your audience is, where you're going to focus first, because that's a perfect example where it's hard to, you know, perfectly solve the problem for different personas and industries where if you can pick one and get really good feedback on that one, you can expand to other ones later potentially. But if you dumb down your product too much, you'll dumb it down too much that it won't be interesting to any of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, 10 years ago, that might have been a different conversation, but now things are hyper specific. So you can find you can find a lot of niches within very well established and highly competitive things. And you know, we like to, we've been using Gigabook recently as an example, like, honestly, if I could go back and do it again. So I had an opportunity several years ago when the escape room, uh, mm -hmm. the whole thing like became a, a big craze and there was, there just wasn't a good booking solution. And I realized that cause we had a bunch of people signing up and reaching out and asking stuff. Um, we could have taken kind of a hard pivot of sorts and just really specialized in that. We didn't. Uh, I saw two competitors that did, and they're killing it. They're killing it because they differentiated themselves within a crowded space by being really, really good for an industry and something that was rapidly growing. Yeah. So, you know, six or seven years ago, people weren't, I mean, escape rooms existed, but they caught on fire and all of a sudden they were everywhere. There wasn't, a, there wasn't an industry specific uh, you know, scheduling or booking platform. And two, two, like I said, two of our competitors, we weren't really ready to make that pivot and weren't ready. I don't know if we would have pulled it off, but they, those two own the entire industry with that. And there's yep. enough meat on that bone that they've made a lot. They guaranteed made a lot of money because the more specific your solution is and the more ready to go out of the box, well, the more you can get for it too. Like mm -hmm. if it's already, if you've thought it out, we were talking about HubSpot in the last episode of buy versus build. So much of what you're paying for with stuff like that isn't the technology. It's the thought and consideration that went into what you'll need. So you can even get it yourself on some days. Well, another good example of this is Venn solutions, right? We built a CRM system for car dealers. Did we compete with Salesforce or HubSpot? Nope. It was industry specific. You know, Venn Solutions actually had the concept of a car in it, right? Like Salesforce and HubSpot, like there's no cars in it, right? Like industry specific solutions. And, and that's where you talk about like your minimum viable product is, is really the key here is, is trying to figure out a specific niche that you can focus on first and get traction in instead of trying generically solve the problem for too many people. I think that's the, really the key lesson here. Didn't you sell that company for like $150 million or something so, in that ballpark? Something like that. Yeah. There? Something like that. Yeah. For those of you listening, that's true story. Google map, Google map and not, and not the YouTube Matt Watson. There's a lot of Matt Watsons out there. Do you know that there's a Matt DeCourcy that's like the uh, prime, like a very high government official in Canada. I get tagged hmm. a lot in Facebook things and they tag the wrong map to Corsi. 
Huh. I also put my own name in Google the other day. And you know how you can always tell what other people are searching by what drops down. It said, <laughs> Matt DeCourcy. it said Matt DeCourcy full scale. And then it said Matt DeCourcy net worth. So for those of you that are out there fact checking, good luck on that one. Yeah. You, um, all right. You do scared shitless. Your, of net, your net worth was, according to the picture and start a puzzle chat on Facebook the other day, your net worth was somewhere around six cents. Yeah, mine, that, that, mine, if you do Matt Watson, numbers. it says like Matt Watson athlete like comes up and like stuff like that. It, Matt, that, well, that could be you because you are. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you wondering who Watson and go watch Startup Hustle TV, the first couple episodes, we literally have a section that highlights Matt's surprise athleticism. You yeah. jumped over like a five foot tall uh, stack of Jenga blocks successfully. And did a, a pretty amazing high jump at the yeah. IV Arena one day. I, was like, I almost wow, qualified God. for the Olympics. Your basketball skills uh, from a ball handling, your ball handling is subpar, but you did beat me at, at Papa Shot at the at the Dave and Buster's. I was embarrassed about that, by the way. Never was a good free throw shooter. All right, so... You know, with this sense of value and understanding it, in my okay, so as someone that's a like has the marketer, promoter, and sales gene in me, look, this is where this is really important early because it's this kind of value that can, could, and should shape your approach to marketing. Because if you identify what the problem and the value proposition is, so with Gigabook, we made this mistake because we were like, we were like, it'll provide convenience, take bookings online, collect payments, boring. How about have some peace of mind, unchain yourself from your business. Those were the marketing lines and approaches that people really responded to because they're like, shit, these people get me. They know the problem. They know my phone's ringing. My texts are going off all day. I want peace of mind. I want to be able to step away from the business and feel like I'm not chained to it. And I mean, those are the kind of things don't do not underestimate the value of that. Okay, so do you have a comment there? Well, well, so I think in relation to this, right, like doing market research is important, you know, talking to analysts, um, you know, hopefully you're solving a problem that maybe the analysts and everybody aren't quite up to speed on, right? Maybe you're ahead of the curve. Um, but talking to industry experts, analysts, stuff like that, and getting feedback about the product you're trying to build can be great. Um, figuring out your go-to-market strategies, testing, marketing, all that kind of stuff is is important as well. And it all kind of goes hand in hand around what is the, what is the minimum vial pro product we're trying to build and testing, do people care? Will they pay for it? How do we attract customers? Like these are all problems that you have to solve early on and they all go hand in hand. And and you can't like forget about one and then wait a whole, bu whole, whole bunch of time and then start on it. Like you got to work on all these things in tandem a little bit. So, you know, so with that, though, I think this last section I want to talk about is yeah, I think if you if you ignore or don't give consideration to this stuff, I think you're kind of wasting your effort with the MVP. And that's just talking about data goals like the purpose of the MVP is to get feedback. But we talked about it part you being able to parlay that effort into fundraising. So you want to like mm -hmm. understand things like customer acquisition cost, or at least at a minimum, I mean, everything from like, how much does it even cost to get an ad click? Right. right. Yep. And then how many people sign up and some of that, because, 
you're not going to get to the next phase of capital raising, or you're just going to be throwing a lot of money away if you don't have a basic understanding of that, because these are the questions that's going to come up when you do get that meeting with the venture capitalist or the investor. And if you have no ability to say, hey, this is a great product. It solves a need. Okay, cool. How much does it cost to acquire a user? I well, have no clue. And things like total addressable market, right? Like how big yep. is the market for this thing? Um, now, what you don't want to do is say, we're going to go sign up 1% and we're going to be trillionaires. Like you don't want to do that. But you do want to know like, oh, we're Why trying to sell 1%, this. Why only 1%, Matt? You're going yeah, to get we're... 25% of market share in your first six months. I hear right. people say that shit. Their hockey stick shows Sorry. that after nine months. You know, that's 1% the first month. The um, But the, the key thing is like, really, we're going to sell a software product to massage places okay well how many are there there are sixty-seven thousand. okay well now you you know have some sense right it's not 300 of them it's sixty-seven thousand of them whatever the numbers are and how many of them are potentially served by a competitive product already anything you know is good a little bit in the last yep. couple episodes yeah so the thing is 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 one of the things is if if part of your future growth strategy involves prying people away from something they already use you need to really, 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 really know and understand that what, you, what you're building and what you launch has to be significantly better, not just a little bit better. You're not going to win because it's $2 a month cheaper. And a good example, really end, people don't care. And a good example of this would be like uh, cloud hosting, right? It's easy to say, oh, there's people have like 10 million servers, but only 2% of it has moved to the cloud. Like we know there's a massive amount that still hasn't adopted this technology and we're entering this space and we're going to compete with these competitors or it's an untapped market, right? Like understanding the market dynamics is really important. And the, and the better you can tell that story to investors, the better off you're going to be. So when it comes to the data, the things that you, I, some of the things, and we can just, let's just do a little brainstorm here. You've got everything from like trends, forecasts and surveys. Okay. So that's, that's, you don't, you, you can create what I just mentioned without an MVP, right? You don't yeah. need an minimally viable product to take some stabs at that. What you want to look at is like, for example, I, well, first off, the customer acquisition cost, in my opinion, is, is like up there. That's on the gold medal podium without a doubt. And uh, it'll tell you a lot. And, and being able, you don't have to prove it on like a, on like a massive sample size. You got to prove it a little bit. And it's as simple as like how many ad clicks result in someone signing up for a trial. It's a good place to start. Um, and then other things too, I think involve engagement, like, I, I, all right. So how many of those people actually come back? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Like okay. it's one thing I can generate, if I, I can generate un, a, a, a billion free trials, but if 0% of them convert, who cares? How many of them become qualified leads? Right. Um, and other things too, is like you mentioned, like some of the biggest mistakes that people make is not listening to or talking to the users. Like call them, literally call them, pick up the phone or email them or do whatever, and just be open and honest. Say, Hey, first off, thank you so much for your interest in our product. Um, as you may or may not know, we're new and Input is valuable. Your feedback is valuable. And we're trying to and, and make it about the user. We're trying to create solutions that you find valuable, that you are excited about, that make your life easier. What are we missing? What do we mm -hmm. need to do different? And then listen for the echo. Just listen for like, you're going to get, you'll, it'll look like a long tail because you'll have some things that'll get mentioned a bunch. And then you'll have a long string of things that get mentioned once. 
forget about the ones, look for the ones that are repetitive. That's how you analyze the MVP. I mean, is yep. that as simple as it can be put, Matt? I mean, I mean, I don't know how to simplify it even anymore. Well, and and that gets a little bit back to what we talked about earlier with Gigabook, right? It's like you spend all your time and you could build these three features that nobody cared about, or you, or you instead focus on the 80%, right? Like the 80% of all the people care about these things. And then we very selectively kind of chase these other little things. So it's staying focused on that 80% because people will always yeah, I, ask yeah. for dumb shit. That never oh, yeah. And you, yeah, you don't have, you don't want to chase those shiny things. Cause no. remember you're early it's MVP. You want the minimally lovable product. Like, there you go. What can, what's, what's the most exact things that you can do to make people love your product. So, all right. Minimum so, lovable podcaster. There you go. I'm the, uh, I'm the MLP on this show <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. You know me, oh, Matt, you know, it's really Matt that makes this show what it is. So. Yes. Um, all right. So back to the checklist, Matt, as we're, you know, we're, we're approaching our, the end of our time here. I'm talking about an MVP, by the way, for those of you listening, we often enter these shows going, man, are we going to re- really have 40 minutes of content? And then we get to like the 40th minute and we're like halfway through what we wanted to talk about. So, um, yeah. So, you know, research, man, I think the research thing's key. I, you, I just have had too many people that, Hey, I don't have any competition. And then like, I'll, I'll Google it. Like, and in one minute, I'm like, not only do you have competition, you've got a lot of it. Yes. Like know, know what you're stepping into. Like there's a, there's a, there's a, a jumping and building wings component, uh, you know, to entrepreneurship but if i'm gonna do that i need to know that i've got all the shit to build the wings before i jump because otherwise that's just one more thing to do on the way to the canyon floor and in some ways it's more dangerous to be building a product that there is no existing market for right like because now you have to go educate the market about the problem or you call somebody like me who's a c2 of a company and you're like i can solve this problem but me i'm like yeah, but I got 10 other problems that are more important than that one, right? Um, that's not the current problem of the day that's hot in the industry. You you're might be solving a problem that'll be important like five years from now, but it's not a problem today. And so sometimes it's really scary to get into that shape, that that place too, where the industry doesn't know that they even need the, prob- the, the solution that you have yet. M- making, a, making a market or filling up a marketplace are two of the of the most challenging things that mm-hmm. a new business can can handle because uh, it's just it's just a challenge. Now I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because the last thing I've got on this list is consulting an expert. Reach out to people, like you mentioned, being a CTO of a company. You've been a founder. You have uh, successfully exited two huge software companies. And Matt, one thing that I've always noticed, the reason I even know you is because I reached out to consult an expert about Gigabook years ago. You were super accommodating. We met and had breakfast together at a local place near where we live. We didn't talk for several months after that. Later, I ended up asking you to be interviewed in my book. We became friends, later became business partners, podcast hosts, all that stuff. You never know where these things are going to lead, but... Like you've been very, one of the things that people always mention about you is you're very accommodating to giving people input. I am Mm -hmm. too. Like, as long as I don't have to like really, really, really go out of my way to do it, 
Like if you make it convenient for me to give you input, uh, I'll probably do it. Reach out. You can email me, Deco, D-E-C-O at fullscale.io. You know, and as long as I can tell somewhere. you your yeah. baby's ugly and you're okay with it, you can take it. I always give a, I do always give a disclaimer. I say, look, I'm going to give you transparent, open feedback, but what I'm not going to do is argue with you about whether I'm right and you're wrong. If you want my input, I'll give it to you. There it is. And you can't get mad at me if I don't tell you what you, what you, what, if I don't tell you exactly what you want to hear. Yep. I just did that the other day. I had someone kind of reaching out and like had sent me a long thing and uh, I read it and I, and I said, honestly, I, and I said, so what do you think the problems are that you'll have to overcome? And they listed a whole bunch of other things and none of which were in the top three of what I saw being problematic. It was actually a marketplace issue. Hmm. I said, I think you're grossly under, I said, building the marketplace is easy. Getting people to actually get in it and then do transactions in it as a completely different thing. The, I, and, I always give the that, example and, and, of, yeah. of like creating a, de- a dating website, right? It's like, you can't create a dating website without a whole lot of guys and girls in it. And, uh, a dating website with nothing but dudes and it, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, unless it's, and, unless it's for just dudes, unless it's just for dudes, but it's so hard to create marketplaces, man. That's, that's a yeah. hard thing. It, and then that's, and that's because remember you gotta have buyers and sellers, but you have to have enough of them. Yes. It's not just about having one or the other. So you got, and you got to get them in there in a way. And it's just really, really challenging. Cause if you get one and not the other, then it's just yeah. also kind of futile. Like, so anyway, all right, so I got. I'm gonna on the way out, and once again, today's episode of Startup Puzzles brought to you by Fullscale and Fullscale.io is where you can find us. Um, I want to also encourage all of you to join our Facebook chat, uh, Startup Puzzle chat on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, type in Startup Puzzle. Also, go check out our YouTube channel. We got a lot of great stuff. There's a really cool video uh, that we recorded over the series of almost six months with Matt Watson that walked through the whole process of his recent uh, company being acquired. And there's a lot of cool stuff in and but it's all free. So I think you'll, I think you'll really, uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, that said, Matt, I got a list of things that I don't want to get out. Of, I don't want to get out of this episode without mentioning. And there's a couple things to avoid when you develop an MVP. So misinformation and miscommunication can either slow things down or just push you in the wrong direction. Uh, setting general parameters. That's why I said, be specific about what you want. Be good, be good at one thing before you try to be good at three. Be like, be great at one thing before you try. Cause otherwise you're going to end up being like, okay, at four things. And that just doesn't get it done. Um, you know, and then, you know, some of the things, this is where like full scale and other companies that specialize in this stuff and have experience like under you got to have an understanding of like the software development life cycle. Matt, does software ever get done on time? Nope. It always takes twice as long as you think, if you're lucky. <laughs> Just does, man. It's the way it goes. So, if, you, if you can deliver uh, software exactly on time, on schedule, please email me. Uh, you're hired. Yeah, true. See, it's funny. Speaking of communication, this morning, uh, uh, FullScale was listed as one of the fastest growing companies in our hometown of Kansas City. So my shit's blowing up. I've got, I keep getting text messages. I never thought that would be such an amazing lead gen tool. Um, but last thing though, um, don't mismanage your resources. It's really easy. Like, and mismanagement of resources is, is, can come in so many different ways. It can be hiring the wrong people. 
look for people that know what they're doing. You don't, you don't, don't take two. You can roll the dice on some things, but like when it comes, look, Matt, do you think great companies like elite, amazing companies, are they, are they founded and do they have foundations that are just strictly based on like average or shitty people? I mean, no, but once you become the big company, that seems to be the norm. <laughs> well, but that, but that's, but they're, that's, but the, but the best ones are just a little, they must be like 2% above average, probably. If you're two, yeah, but here's the thing. If you're a two person company and one, and one of you is fucking terrible, 50% of your companies. No, terrible. I mean, and big companies is, though. Like once they become big companies oh. is what I mean. Like, no, when they start out, they've got to be above average. Right. But then. Every company I owned and sold, eventually they become they become average over time. That skill level goes down to average. It's just the way it works. Yeah, but they're they're average <laughs> in a massive way. I mean, yeah. So I mean, you get it though. But look, you try to find people that know what they're doing and levels of expertise. Like, you know, and, and I think one of the big mistakes that people make is especially with software, is they go to try to find the like cheapest software talent they can get and it ends up just not coming out very good or it's slow as hell or it just ends up having to be rebuilt and i'm not saying that you have to have like the world's top developer but eh, you're gonna your life is gonna feel a lot better on the way to pushing that mvp out if you have people around you know that know what they're doing while you're figuring out all the things that you need to figure out next i also don't want the cheapest heart surgeon or an average one. Yeah. It's the point. It's the point. So should I cancel my haircut this afternoon with the budget haircut place? Oh, I'm going to get a cheap ass haircut this weekend. Oh yeah. I, but yeah, it grows but you back. Like, you like, you like buzz your hair. The problem, yeah. the thing I have is, you know, my hair is just thinner. And so I feel That's like it doesn't deserve a, I feel like, I know, but I feel like I should get a half price haircut because there's just less well, hair. You cut, just wear a so. hat and cover that shit up anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I just, I'm wearing a hat, honestly, right now, Matt, because I was just too lazy to wake up and take a shower and shave. And like, I, I'm, I'm, I, I was, I had quarantine hair and beard long before quarantine hair and beard. You know, I figured it out. For the rage. I have the MVP of haircuts. I just buzz it all okay. off. It's like the MVP. Okay. All right. Yeah, you probably overpay for that too, don't you? You should just let your kids do it. It's a guard. I mean, you can't mess that up. Actually, you can, so don't. Well, Matt, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. Uh, for those of you that are interested, there's look through the feed of the show. There's a ton of uh, this kind of topic and subjects. Uh, we're coming up on our 700th episode. Do you know we're going to have our 2 millionth download episode soon? That's crazy. Who are you people? And thank you at the same time. Yeah, thank like, you. Yeah. I need to go back. I need to go back and check and see if we finally got that listener in the Isle of Man. Two million. Which was one of the like, isn't that crazy? Two million. Two million. That's crazy. Two million. I know. I, and thanks. I mean, we should just say thanks. It's, there's infinite number of things that you can do with your time. So anytime you spend paying attention to what we're saying or doing, very humbling. And thank you. I'll see you next time, Matt. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>